Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, November 20th, 2018. Today we're reading from the Big Book, Chapter 11, and we're at page 158, the fifth paragraph. Today's readers are, for the 12 steps, Tenzin P., for the 12 traditions, Matt M., and reading the text are Harlan G., Barbara E., and Vinnie T. The reference numbers for Monday, November 19th, 2018, are the 7 a.m. 12196, that's 12,196, and for 10 a.m. is 12,197, that's 12197. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or, public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Tenzin P. to read the 12 steps. Thank you. Tenzin P. calling in from near New York City. Here are the steps we took which are suggested as a program of recovery. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrong. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 
2012. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you very much. Wishing everyone a blessed day. Thank you, Tenzin. I will now ask Matt M. to read the 12 traditions. Hi, good morning, Katie. Thank you for your service. Good morning, everyone. This is Matt M., proposal reader for New Jersey. Here are the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon our unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is the one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself on our group conscience. Our leaders are a trusted servant who do not govern. Three, the only requirement for only membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except the matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has a one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group will never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise unless money is promised with money, property, and prestige to convert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, overeaters anonymous remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, overeaters anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name will never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and film. And 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions. Everyone goes to these principles and personality. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you so much, Matt. Okay, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute the phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 158, the fifth paragraph, and we're reading through three paragraphs, commenting on all, and Harlan G., will you please begin reading? I sure will. Thank you. Uh, thank you, and, uh, and thanks for your service, and thanks for making this meeting possible, Katie, and, and the team uh, Tuesday. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona, page 158. So you see, there were three alcoholics in that town who now felt that they had to give to others what they had found or be sunk. After several failures to find others, a fourth turned up. He came through an acquaintance who had heard the good news. He proved to be a devil-may-care young fellow whose parents could not make out whether he wanted to stop drinking or not. They were deeply religious people, much shocked by their son's refusal to have anything to do with the church. 
He suffered horribly from his sprees, but it seemed as if nothing could be done for him. He consented, however, to go to the hospital where he occupied the very room recently vacated by the lawyer. He had three visitors. After a bit, he said, the way you fellows put this spiritual stuff makes sense. I'm ready to do business. I guess the old folks were right after all. So one more was added to the fellowship. All this time, our friend of the hotel lobby incident remained in that town. He was there three months. He now returned home, leaving behind his first acquaintance, the lawyer, and the devil-may-care chap. These men had found something brand new in life. Though they knew they must help other alcoholics if they would remain sober, that motive became secondary. It was transcended by the happiness they found in giving themselves for others. They shared their homes, their slender resources, and gladly devoted their spare hours to fellow sufferers. They were willing by day or night to place a new man in the hospital and visit him afterward. They grew in numbers. They experienced a few distressing failures, but in most cases, they made an effort to bring the man's family into a spiritual way of living, thus relieving much worry and suffering. We are talking now about Ernie Galbraith. The Galbraiths were members of the Oxford group. His parents were very deeply religious people, and they attended meetings at the home of T. Claris and Henry Williams, who we're going to read about in a couple days. And Ernie Galbraith is going to become AA's first failure. He's also going to marry Dr. Bob's daughter, Sue Smith. And Dr. Bob was at the wedding, and he mentioned to Bill uh, Wilson and Bill Dotson, you know, it's awful tough walking your daughter down the aisle and giving her to a guy whose fifth step you've heard. So he was joking about it, but as it turned out, it, the wedding, the marriage turned out pretty disastrous, and Sue Smith had some very years-long resentments toward AA for not keeping Ernie sober. But let's get back to the text, because that's why we're here. These guys knew that they had to cling to one another or die. They knew that they had to find other alcoholics, which they did. And let's take a look at some of the time frame here. Bill Dotson gets sober on June the 26th, 1935. Bill Wilson goes May, he comes to Akron in April, but he counts May, June, July. Now he's going back to New York. Bill Dotson has been sober less than a month, and he is already going out on 12-step calls. That means he worked the steps quickly. He was doing the steps so that he had a spiritual awakening as a result of the steps, and he was doing 12-step work. And when they say they shared their homes, their slender resources, and gladly devoted their spare hours to fellow sufferers, remember, they didn't have cell phones to do 10 steps with. They didn't have text messaging. They didn't have email. So when Bill Dotson got angry, or when, when Bob Smith got angry or Ernie Galbraith got scared or whatever, and they had to go do a 10 step, they literally picked up and walked over to the next person's house and they were welcomed in. Sometimes they brought their family, sometimes they didn't, depending upon what time of day it was, but it was the height of the depression and none of them were working. I mean, these guys were in trouble. Uh, you know, the unemployment was 50 to 60%, 70%. They were willing by day or night to place a new man in the hospital and visit him afterwards. In other words, they were willing to do anything necessary so that they could recover. And they grew in numbers. They experienced a few distressing failures, 
but in those cases, they made an effort to bring the man's family into a spiritual way of living, thus relieving much worry and suffering. Now, they're not talking about Al-Anon. They're talking about the Oxford group. Al-Anon hadn't been founded yet. Al-Anon won't become a reality until the early 50s. This is the Oxford group. And when they went to the meetings of the Oxford group, they usually brought the entire family. So these guys knew that they had to cling together or they would sink into the mire of their alcoholism. And Ernie Galbraith is the guy who they're talking about. There's two Ernie G's, Ernie Galbraith and Ernie Gehrig. Ernie Gehrig we'll talk about when we get to step nine. But Ernie Galbraith is who they're talking about. He would not stay sober, but he would prove instrumental in the formation of some of the early meetings. He stayed sober long enough so that they could formulate some of their early groups. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Harlan. Okay, if you just jumped on in the last five minutes, uh, we're on page 158. Uh, we started with, so you see, the fifth paragraph. There were three alcoholics reading through three paragraphs on 159, thus relieving much worry and suffering. Who would like to share? Siobhan. Nessa R. Lisa B. R. This is Charles Larry K. Melissa C. Larry. Okay, just one second. Barbara E. Okay, just please stop. Okay, I got Nessa R., Charles H., Larry K., Siobhan. I'm not sure your initial. Um, Lance Susan L. Pat, Lance L., Barbara E. Barbara E., thank you. Lisa B., you, Melissa C. And Lisa B. and Melissa C. Okay, that's it. Thank you. Lisa B., Melissa C. Okay, so that okay. Okay, Nessa R, Charles H, Larry K, Siobhan, I still didn't hear Lance, um, Barbara E, Lisa B, and Melissa C. Everyone but Nessa R, please mute and now please go, Nessa R. Thank you. Good morning, Vision for you. This is Nessa R, recovered compulsive over here in Toronto, Canada. So they felt they had to give to others what they had found or be sunk. You know, I, I came into a meeting, um, my, my very first uh, meeting in OA, um, that was um, very focused on slogans. You know, I, I came into the room and there was a big table and there were pieces of paper. And what, on, what was on those pieces of paper was a whole bunch of slogans and also um, all the tools, you know, didn't really focus much um, on the steps at all. It was all slogans and tools. And one of the slogans um, on that table was, share it or wear it. And what people interpreted to mean was, you know, call your fellows or even at the meeting and tell them how awful your life is, how your boss is so mean, and your husband is no good, and your children are no good, and your life sucks, and you have no choice but to eat because of all of that. And that's not what share it or wear it uh, means. Share it or wear it means you know, when I recover, I got to pass it on. I got to sponsor others and give to others what is freely given to me because otherwise I will get back in the food and I will wear it. So the share part of it means share the solution, share the message. It's a 12-step slogan, you know, try to carry the message to other compulsive overeaters. And I have seen, you know, um, you know amongst my sponsees, I've had – I don't have a lot of recovery from these, um, but I had two uh, who were on the cusp 
on the cusp of recovery. And they made so many excuses about, you know, well, I don't have time. You know, I'm planning a wedding. After the wedding, I'll do it. After this event, I will do it. You know, when I come back from vacation, I do it. And, and it never happened. And, you know, they both went into the, into the food eventually. And I know what, what, why people shy away from sponsoring because it is, it is a big responsibility. And what if I don't do a good job? And what if I don't say the right things? Or why don't I don't do the right things? But the truth is that all we need to do is show what we've done. You know, that's, that's, that's simple enough. Um, you know, um, and I just, uh, I just um, lost my train of thought. The truth is that, you know, if a person wants, wants to recover, it doesn't really matter what kind of sponsor they have. You know, a person can have the best sponsor in the world and not recover if they don't do what they're supposed to do. And a person can have the worst sponsor in the world and recover if they do what they're supposed to do. So, you know, all I have to do is pass it on. And you know what? Sponsorship is you know, not only a responsibility and not only something I need to do so that I can stay recovered, but it is such a joy and such a pleasure, you know, especially when you want, when you, when you see people who are willing and who do what they need to do and, you know, just trudge through the toughest parts of the process. I mean, I find such inspiration in my sponsees um, that I, I don't know what I would do if I, if I was sponsoring. Thank you. Um, it is it is an amazing experience, the most amazing amazing experience. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa. Okay, Charles H., you're up, followed by Larry K. Hi, Katie. Did you call on Okay, thank you. Yeah, on KDF. Okay, yeah. My bad. You know, Katie, 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 you're all beautiful to me. Charles H., thank a recovered complete. <laughs> You know, we're not a glum lot. Come on out. Come on out. Come on out of your little isolation. Charles H. a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, I want to I wanna drill down on time, and I want to drill down on one particular sentence in these three beautiful paragraphs. After several failures to find others, a fourth turned up. But let me back up to, to Alcoholics Anonymous number three. It says in the forward to the second edition, um, uh, something like their very first case, a desperate one, recovered immediately. And then now we're going to come back to after several failures to find others, a fork turned up. This is where the time, I think it got, it got a little off because Bill W. in the doctor's opinion says, um, which he put into practical application at once. Dr. Bob on page 156 in this paragraph, chapter 11, one morning he took the bulls by the horn. These guys um, recovered in days. Now, now it, it, you know, when they say immediately, they don't mean like one second and they got zapped. Don't think you're going to be on this beautiful meeting and get zapped. There's work to be done. The rent needs to be paid every single day. And I want to drill down when it says there were several failures, right? And this traces right to November 2018. There will be several failures. And I'm going to keep it official because, you know, I, 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 you know, some people, it's too late for some people. It is because they're not here no more, right? But it's not, it's not late for us. Don't wait till, 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 uh, till the birthday party. Till, oh, don't wait till next Monday. Don't wait till the vision convention in November. It's doomsday right now. Round zero is dirty, disgusting. Um, you can have your deserted barn experience right now and recover. 
Don't wait to let other shoes drop because guess what? It's going to drop, right? We have to be 100% abstinent. And I came here to share on this meeting this morning to disturb somebody, to shake up the dust and, and get somebody disturbed enough to recover. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Charles. Okay, Larry Kay, you're up, then Siobhan. Thanks, Katie. Thanks so much for your service. You know, so we learned about the uh, devil, the devil may care young fellow. So this is, uh, as Harlan talked about, I love learning about the history. This is Ernie G. And, um, you know, this guy didn't have an easy life. And, and here's his own words from the first edition of the big book. He said, and I quote, I allowed myself to be taken to a hospital where it took several days for my head to clear and my nerves to settle. Then one day I had a, I had a couple of visitors, one man from New York and the other a local attorney. During our conversation, I learned that I had been as bad as myself in this drinking and that they had found relief and had been able to, or they had been as bad as, as myself, and they had found relief and been able to make a comeback Later, they went into more detail and put me, um, put into me very straight that I'd have to give over my desires and attitudes to a power higher than myself, and that would give me new desires and new attitudes. And on the strength of their stories, I decided, decided to give it a try, and it worked as long as I allowed to do so. And after learning, uh, after a year of learning new ways of living, new attitudes and desires, I became self-confident and then careless, he said. I suppose you would say I got to feel too sure of myself and zowie. First, it was beer on Saturday nights and then a fine drunk. I knew exactly what I had done to bring myself to this old grief. I had tried to handle my life on the strength of my own ideas and plans instead of looking to God for the inspiration and strength. See, I can learn a lot from Ernie G, because while the story is called the seven-month slip, Ernie's slip lasted a lifetime, and he died drunk in June of 1971. And he didn't have an easy life, no doubt. And it's sad, but an excellent reminder of what I'm up against. It drives home for me the contrast between the power of this disease and the hope found in a spiritual transformation as the result of these 12 steps, this way of life. It's a way of life. We are no longer trying to arrange life to suit ourselves. It's in the dying to self that we actually find life. That's what happened with me. I had to die to self, self-centeredness, selfishness. And in that, I found life. And my life became bigger, not smaller. And I'm so grateful for that. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Larry. And Saban C., it's your turn. Thank you so much, Katie G. Good morning, family. Um, I'm Siobhan C., spelled the Irish Gaelic way. Um, that means God is gracious. And you can look that up, what is God is gracious in Irish, um, Siobhan, and you'll get my spelling. It, um, I'm a grateful recovered compulsive overeater and I am so proud that I ha only have a little bit of time in this program because I want to be a newcomer every morning just like the newcomers that I so warmly welcome thank you Harlan for starting us off I love a big book studier I love me a big book studier who studies this precise text and even goes deeper into the history and the text which I do in a bad neighborhood in LA 
where I had to go get honest, but we get real. That's my church every Sunday. If you live in L.A., please call me, 9 to 11. We do it. Okay, had to give others what they had found to be found, what, what they had found or be sunk. I'm so grateful that my sponsor that I went to Australia to find because I had to find me a big book girl there. And she said, because she was willing to hear my fifth step, and I, I called everywhere around the world, who's willing, who's willing. Okay, and, it's, and she said, it's my experience. I've heard them say we have to carry it to give it away. No, we have to give it away to keep it. She said, in my experience, we don't get it. What's it? The freedom, everything, mentally, physically, spiritually. That's how it happened for me emotionally, 27 to 29. And the doctor said to the end of 29, Katie, uh, Chrissy G. covered in a beautiful vital search experience. I'll send it to you if you text me, 310-310-9637. Uh, and it said, and it said um, she said, we don't, in my experience, we don't get it, the freedom, unless we give it. From the first call, I was giving. It, and I love it now. And, it, and I did it, yes, I did it too, because I, I knew I'd be sunk. She impressed upon me, I'd be sunk. That's why I came into this program October 26th of this year, and I recovered on, no, I'm sorry, October 22nd, sinking, drowning, desperation, suicidal ideation and homicidal rage. October 26th on Friday, recovered. No therapy anymore, no need. Anger-free, fear-free. Nothing can touch me. I'm immune. I got the immunity on 89 that's guaranteed because it says practical experience. Well, nothing will so much ensure my immunity from binging as intensive work. That's the intensity I do. I'm 24-7 on God's time. I'm in California. It doesn't matter. I'm on God's thing. God doesn't have a time zone. And they knew that they must help, they knew they must help other alcoholics if they remain sober. That motive became secondary. That's what it's been for me. And I've only been at this, as, as uh, someone reminded me, three weeks on the line. I, I love that. I love it. Because in this time, I just got a beautiful text from somebody. My news posting, hi, Siobhan, heard you share and you're offered to share. I'm a major relapse, many months, regaining over 70 of the 92 pounds. Been around since for two decades. Never been beyond step five. Oh, man, the magic. Are you available? At what times? I surrender. That is the news I up for. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Savan. Uh, Lance, it's your turn, followed by um, Barbara E. Good morning, everyone. I am Lance L. from California, and I am a recovered compulsive eater. I thank you all for being on this line. I know there's a lot of people here listening and a lot of people here talking, and, uh, you know, I'm just very grateful to be a part of this. Um, I am new. And it wasn't long ago where I was absolutely hopeless, helpless. You know, the book says that I suffer from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body, which means I have a mental fixation on food, my binge foods. I have a physical craving that happens as soon as I mentally fixate and put the action into eating that. These men were suffering. These men found a little bit of reprieve, and then they were swimming. You know, I, and I don't know um, if anybody swims out there, but um, we're more dense than water. You know, if we stop working at it, we are sinking. And what these men found is they had to give it to others to keep swimming. I don't want to do that that seems like too much work for me. 
you know, I'm, 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 I'm the kind of person that will just take what benefits me and what benefits others. I can leave that aside. You know, I had to suffer to get well. And today I'm well. I was thinking about how fast I worked this program, and it was action after action after action. And within a month, no less than a month and a half, I was through these steps. I was sitting on step 10, and I was like, you know, I can review my day. I can pray to my higher power, but there's no way I want to help someone. And I found that within that little bit of time, it started creeping back in. I started allowing food to take power over my mind. I started having the same thoughts as I did when I was binging. And luckily, I have the people on this line and the people in my life that keep me connected. You know, helping others keeps me connected. I can sit on this line and I cannot say anything and I can just keep blotting out my insane thinking from day to day. I have a choice to make, and I make it every single morning. I make it to get up 4 a.m. and jump on this line. I don't need to. I can sleep until 6. I don't need to do this. I can't take it or leave it alone. There's a fork in the road every one of my decisions, and I'm not willing to give up to this mental fixation and this physical craving. I uh, thank you all for being there and sharing about this book. It's new to me, and I want to learn it. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Lance. Okay, Barbara E., you're up, followed by Lisa B. Good morning, and thank you so much, Katie, for your service and to everyone else who shared and will be sharing. And I do have to admit, that I had a bit of a resentment towards Harlan, who was toying with me yesterday. My sponsor had said that the, the man that they were referring to was Earl Trent. And uh, what did I find out? It's not. It's Ernie G. Well, I'm happy to report to you all that I immediately did the turnaround. So Harlan, you are no longer on my resentment list for playing cat and mouse with me yesterday. Seriously, what I heard was there were failures. And when I first came in and I got the program, I wanted to cover the world with the carpet. But there were failures, and it was a humbling experience for me. I had to learn I'm not God. I'm not anyone's savior. I'm just, as has been said before, a person carrying a lantern by the side of the road. But I had to realize and accept that I had some major resentments, some major defects with, that were causing me harm in my life. As this was listed, I believe, on page 82, I was like that tornado roaring through the lives of others. My mom, who thought I was killing myself, and was at a loss what to do as a teenager taking me for diet pills and shots. That didn't help. Then as an adult, my kids and my husband never knew which Barbara they'd come home to. Would it be the psycho Barbara who was running around maniacally, is there such a word, 
running through the house, being on a new diet, telling them what they should do? Uh, Or was it the reclusive Barbara, staying in her room, refusing to go anyplace? But see, you out there, there is hope by using all the steps under the loving guidance of a sponsor and finding a power outside of myself that kept me safe in my life raft when I was and am being tossed by the waves of the storm. Prayers to all the people in California, by the way. Those 10th step promises found on page 85 and 86. So wonderful for me. Sorry, page 84 and 85 have really come true for me. I have to continue to watch for all my defects and turn them around. And I will find the spirit within me that gives me hope every single day. I thank you so much. I pass. Thank you, Barbara. Okay, Lisa B., you're up, followed by Melissa C. Good morning. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. This is such an energizing read. Um, when I first learned about doing 10 steps, I was so angry, and I, was, I felt really uncomfortable and frightened of them, but I ran towards it because I, I, see, I see that this is going to keep me abstinent, keep me recovered. Same thing with the um, 12th step, you know. I was afraid of it, but I run towards it. And I just want to share, it is so electrifying being able to work with others. But it wasn't until I was able to fully come face-to-face with who and what I really am by studying this book, getting a clear understanding of who and what I am, what the real problem is, what the real solution is, that I could have permanent recovery. I can have permanent recovery. I don't have to keep relapsing. But that's going to come through doing all the steps. And in the forward to the second edition, it tells me I can have permanent recovery through work and self-sacrifice with others. It's electrifying for me to be able to share with someone that is either coming out of relapse or a newcomer. But they have to have that desire. I can't keep myself sober and abstinent, and I can't get someone to be sober and abstinent. It came through getting abstinent the first time, putting the food down, going through the discomfort, and then engaging with the steps and experiencing this psychic change and that spiritual connection I have with my higher power. And that's really what I try to do is share that with this big book. And I just want to share with you the lessons I've learned. And one of them is to listen to podcasts on Step 12. Talk to people who have been doing this for many, many years and, you know, get information from them. I read a page every day out of the chapter working with others. And when I finish it, I start it all over again. And I promise you, something new keeps jumping out. And if I'm not being um, successful in keeping sponsees, which is not my job, I'm not able to, it's the illness they have to face and get recovered on their own. But I still need to find out what is it that I'm doing that maybe I could improve upon. Also, I don't want to just rely on one sponsee and depend on them to go through these steps because I'm going to be pissed off if they don't follow through Then I have to get another sponsee. So every day I'm out harvesting for the gold and diamonds. 
Um, and I'm, I'm putting myself out there so people hear my voice and they call me, I call them. And then I have a whole bunch of people that I can work with, learning how to look at how I take them through the big book. Is it way too time consuming and involved? Are there other ways of doing it? But I just want to share the joy and the life that I feel running through me and having a purpose and being useful. So with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. Okay, Melissa C., it's your turn, then we'll open it up for more shares. Hi. Good morning, Katie. Thank you for your service. Good morning. It's Melissa C., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New York. And, you know, this this whole chapter and these paragraphs are really about how we grow the fellowship up around us. And, you know, it says that um, he came to them through an acquaintance who heard the good news. And, you know, and I'm thinking, like, how how do we do that and still honor the tradition of attraction, not promotion? Because, you know, I, I go on Facebook sometimes, and I have, like, you know, girlfriends I grew up with that are um, promoting a, a new diet program, and they show their before pictures, and they show their after pictures. And sometimes I look and I see, wow, they've had, like, a hundred and something comments. You know, and I think for myself, you know, if those people have what I have, it's a hundred and something suckers because that's um, promotion. That's that's you know, and um, and yet I'm not in competition with that. You know, like so the vanity, the part of me, I want to show sometimes my before pictures or my after pictures, but that's self promotion and that's different than attraction. And you know, so I. Think about that one sentence here that he came through an acquaintance. And, you know, I know that I originally came to L.A. Um, through an acquaintance of my mother, you know, who who happened to share how it was that she lost weight. And my mother certainly, if not someone if I looked at, would ever think that she needed to hear the message. And so, and yet somehow it got to me. You know, it did get to me. Um, and... So I really, I take that now uh, to heart because there was a time when um, I would make decisions about who was worthy of me sharing my truth with. You know, people would ask, um, you know, how did you lose weight or what is it that you're eating or, and and if I didn't think that they were worthy of hearing it, you know, um, I would tell them something like, you know, I'm moving more and eating less, something something real basic. And, you know, and that was um, because there was a sense of embarrassment and shame on my part. I, that's the truth. I didn't really, I kind of wanted to still look normal to them. Um, but now I don't do that. You know, I don't walk around with a T-shirt saying, ask me how I've lost 150 pounds. That I don't do. But when I'm asked, um, I am honest about it. And, and I do get, and I do get asked. And, you know, the great joy, originally I, you know, looked to sponsor people or looked to help other people for selfish motives because I did not, A, I didn't want to gain the weight back, and B, I did not want to be a slave to the food again. Um, but what happened was it really became a joy, an incredible joy of my life. And, um, and no, I'm not responsible for anybody recovering, but I am responsible for sharing that there is hope and that we can recover. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Melissa. Okay, so we were on page 158, the fifth paragraph, and we read through three paragraphs. 
Um, who else would like to share? Katie G from Boston. Ross M. Katie G. Russ M. Leslie W. Leslie W. Chrissy G. Leia M. Chrissy G. Leia M. Also Kate. I'm sorry. Oh, oh, sorry. Good morning. Kate B. from Baltimore. Kate B. Okay, let's stop there. Um, I have Katie G, Russ M, Leslie W, Chrissy G, Leah M, and Kate B, Katie B. Go ahead, please, Katie G. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, my fellows. Katie G, recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic, and bulimic. And I guess what I'm thinking about today is I didn't come in to help anybody. I came in because I wanted my weight to stop looking like an EKG. And over the years after, you know, I did the steps the first time, because I go through the the steps every year, because I, I want a God to exist for me that can take me deeper everywhere in my life. And I have to stay grounded in the truth that I have no power, no choice, and no control when it comes to the food. But there's been a shift, right? There's been a shift in that I want to help others that somehow, and you know, for me, I want to expand the notion of helping others. Um, I think sponsorship is vital, and I'm a sponsor and so grateful um, for my the women um, I sponsor and who sponsor me. And I, I want to name how many different ways there are to help others. We must cling together to help others. We must be unified on our primary purpose, which is to stay clean and help others. You know, so whether I'm showing up early on a meeting and saying good morning or calling people identifying in relapse or giving out names and numbers of people who I've identified as sponsors or taking a 10th step, like how many, how many 10th steps have I offered to all of you? And you've given me spiritual considerations that have brought me back to my truth, that I have no power, no choice, and no control around the food. And if I'm not willing to turn over whatever issue is going on, I'm going to eat. I'm going to eat. And that is the bottom line. You know, and, and I have to be um, candid and say I'm not somebody that rushed through the steps and whatever your sponsor says goes because I think we have a life and death illness and I believe we must move rapidly. But for me also what was really important to remember is that these are tools that are going to save my life. So I had to learn them. I had to learn how to do them. And I still need to learn them. I, I'm going through, I'm on the, um, the fears part of my, my fourth step right now, going through the steps again. And I have learned things like the, the most phenomenal thing that is saving my butt right now is the realization that any time I'm angry at any of you or anybody in this world, the realization is that that is me. Whatever the cause, so I'm angry at you, blah, 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 I can put into the sentence, I am, blah, 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 blah. And I have to tell you, if you're suffering with a resentment or an anger towards someone, try it. It is unbelievable because it gets me off of my soapbox and my judgment and it settles me down and I'm one among many again and I am you know living as a recovered woman today whose primary purpose is to help others whoever you are and with that I pass thank you Katie Russ M you're up followed by Leslie W uh, can I be heard yes all right thanks Katie I appreciate it thank you so much for your service um, 
Hello, uh, everybody. Uh, so, uh, you know, I just want to drill down on the fellowship. Um, you know, uh, I'm so blessed that I have this disease and that I was broken enough to, to seek help and then find vision for you. I don't know where I would be. And I know it sounds overly dramatic. Somebody shared this with me. And the fellowship grew around me, right? You know, so, I, I, you know, I'm a little emotional today. I, I lost one of my best friends uh, Saturday of 40 years. And I, I just want to share this with you because it just tells about the program. I have more texts and calls. And it's it's not like gossip. Someone told someone. And you cared enough to check in with me. You know, my own family that know, knows what's going on hasn't hasn't even touched base with me. My point is, the way you behave, the way you live your life, the way people who are in this book, after they're out of the food or the drugs or the alcohol, live a certain way. They live a certain way. And, uh, you know, as a selfish, self-centered egomaniac that I can be, it's taught me how to be selfless, you know, really. All these years I've been saying, you know, I'm a big Christian. I'm, you know, I'm down with Jesus when I'm the most selfish person. And I've learned through these rooms, through this meeting, through my friends, this family here, how to live. And it means the world to me, especially in times like this. And, uh, just that the way you treat me, you've taught me, is teaching me how to live for others, in service of others. It might sound like BS, but it's true. It's like an elementary thing, man. You know, sometimes you got to get back to basics. You got to give, and not even to get. You got to give to be fulfilled. And this is what you've all taught me. And I just want you to know that, and I love you, and I, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful, you know. Appreciate every one of you. Have a beautiful day. Thank you for just indulging me here. Appreciate it. Thank you, Russ M., and I'm very sorry for your loss. Um, Leslie W., it's your turn, followed by Chrissy G. Thanks, Katie, for your service. And um, I'll try to get myself together here after that. Russ, you made me cry. Um, this is Leslie W. Uh, from Tennessee. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater and grateful today to be able to share on the line this morning. Um, it was transcended by the happiness they found in giving themselves to others or for others. I, I find it interesting that they talk about, you know, though they, they, though they knew that they must help other alcoholics, if they would remain sober, that motive became secondary. Yeah, it's kind of like um, when I have an obligation and I know that I have an obligation to do something. Um, and, you know, um, there are times when I do, I do, I do do things in my life out of, you know, responsibility or obligation and maybe my heart's not in it, you know. Um, for, for me, the real, the spiritual awakening um, comes when I see that shift happen in me, when I see that that it's no longer feels like, it's, you know, an obligation to help others. And I don't mean just program 
people in program. I mean, my family, my friends, the people that I come in contact with every single day. Um, there's a shift there that happens, and and it's no, it no longer feels like, oh, okay, I know I must do this. I know I must sponsor. I know I, I, I must be nice to my husband when he comes home from work. <laughs> I mean, those are the things that I'm talking about. It's like, and I'm dog-tired, you know, and the kids are driving me crazy. It's the happiness that I have um, that I want. I genuinely care about other people and want to help them, and I'm no longer thinking about my own comfort. I'm no longer thinking about what's going to make me happy, what I can get out of life. That spiritual awakening happens when there's a shift from selfishness to selflessness. And that only happens with God's help. I cannot manufacture that no matter how hard I try because that is just not who I am. But God makes me what he wants me to be. And he has done so and has continued to do so through this program and through the people on this line, these recovered fellows who tell the truth, who tell me the truth in love. And I'm so grateful I'm grateful for Vision for You. I didn't get a chance to get on the meeting on Sunday, but I just want to say I'm so grateful for this meeting and for the people who started this meeting and continue to give, 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 give of themselves. You are an inspiration to me. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Leslie. Okay, we have oops, we have seven minutes left and three more people. So, Chrissy G., you're up, then Leah M. Thank you. Um, yes, this is Chrissy G, recovered compulsive overeater, and um, I was I was looking through the book and saw on page one sixteen how it talks about the fact that when when somebody's falling face down in the alcohol or face down in the food for us that it's it's actually a a, a boom for us that it's that calamity is turned turned into into a victory and it opens up a pathway that leads to the discovery of God it says and that that for me is what it's all about so I discovered God through someone else reaching out to me when I was face down and that's that um, connection that I was looking for in food I discovered in that connection and it's just such a a beautiful mystery how I could only be open to learning about the connection by exhausting every dead end in, in, in life, trying to look for it. You know, it was like right there in front of me. It was just another person listening to me and hearing me and validating my experiences. And, um, and I learned, I, I have to say, I learned to love in this program. I didn't, I didn't experience, I never really experienced unconditional love until I came into this program. And that's, that's what this is like. That's what this is like. This is the closest thing, this giving away of what, what we are freely given is the closest thing to unconditional love that I think uh, human beings can experience, you know, in terms of their being benefits to ourselves, you know, that's, that's, um, doesn't take away from the fact that we do this without, you know, it's not like, it's not like this give and take 
return. It's just you keep giving it away out of out of love and out of gratitude. And as a result, you get to stay healthy and sober and grow spiritually. Um, yeah, and, and I'm just so grateful to have this program with that I pass. Thank you so much. Okay, Leah Am, it's your turn. If you could take two minutes and then Katie B could have two minutes. Okay, thank you very much. They had to give to others what they had found to um or be sunk and you know, that it that those words touch me because that is my experience. It was uh, 1987, 1988. I was fresh out of rehab, newly sober, staying in AA rooms uh, without an OA uh, fellowship around me that was healthy. Um, To carry the message, to watch a fellowship grow about me, uh, that gave me the stability. You know, that stability came out of trying to give an accurate communication of how my life had transformed, not out of demanding that I receive anything, but I was able uh, to be blessed in that way. And again, in 2001, moving uh, from the East Coast to Minnesota, family of 11, uh, feeling lonely, not a community around me that I was accustomed to uh, in OA, and to carry the same very message to the point of exhaustion, uh, working with a dozen people, having my old friends from the East Coast work with the new friends in the Midwest, uh, watching a fellowship come up about me. And again in 2012, uh, you know, beauty from the ashes. You know, there's there's a statement on page 164, he, God, will show you how to create the fellowship you crave. Uh, You know, we shine the light, uh, you know, on the path that we walk, that we had a spiritual awakening upon, and we are not the light, (laughs) but we are able to show and tell uh, that very experienced so that others can have their own unique spiritual awakening and they too can be transformed and they too can be free. You know, Bill W. went to Dr. Bob, uh, not to get Dr. Bob sober, although indeed that occurred. Bill W. went to Dr. Bob because he needed to tell his story for his own life, <laughs> and, uh, and, and that's what we do. And out of that comes great joy, great pleasure, and a great bright spot. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you so much, Leah. Um, and I'm sorry, but um, Katie, B., you have one minute if you'd like to take it. Hi, good morning, Katie B. Can I be heard? Yes. Great. Um, Thank you so much to everyone for your service. Thank you so much for having me on the line. I've been listening for a couple of weeks. Um, This is the first time I'm talking because I wanted to really listen. I felt like um, my whole life as a language teacher and a traveler, I was always focused on talking, and I really have learned so much from all of you. And this call, um, thank you. started listening to the program, and I started watching Doris Day movies the first week after listening to this call, because you all, to me, Um, Katie, I'm sorry, but for some reason, you're really breaking up. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, I just wanted to say thank you 
To me, you all are like Doris Day, kindness and generosity, and I'm super excited to, to be listening to you, and I thank you for your time and your ears and your hearts, and my name is uh, Kate B., and I'm in Baltimore, and you can reach me if you'd like, um, and thank you for leaving an imprint on my heart, and I think this call is making me a morning person. <laughs> so with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, and thank you to everyone who shared this morning um, to make this meeting possible. And please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for today, Tuesday, November 20th, 2018, is 12,201. That's 12201. And we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer, where Barbara E., please read a vision for you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Barbara, please. Now you are. Thank you. I had muted myself. So sorry. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who's still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you can't transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.